I appreciate Bill taking the time to uh, pray for our missionaries. And um, I wanted to share a couple of things with with you in regard to our missions movement here at the church uh, before we get into the Word. Um, One thing I wanted to let you know, uh, earlier in the year we talked about uh, the fact that uh, part of the support of our missionaries and the work that goes on around here um, (coughs) is covered through the general fund, through a percentage of of the general fund, but that is not enough to cover it all. And uh, so we um, have around here what we call a faith, faith, faith commitment giving, and we ask the, the church to help make up the di- difference e- each year. And we talk to you about that at the beginning of the year, what the need would be this, this year. And I just wanted to let you know that um, God has been faith, faith, faithful to lay it on the hearts of folks in this church to give above and beyond the general fund to help fund our missionaries and uh, you who God has laid on your heart have been faith, faithful to give, and so they are amply supplied at, at, at this time. We're halfway through the year, and we've received what we've need, needed in order to uh, supply them. So uh, on behalf of the missions committee and the missionaries who we uh, support, thank you. And uh, would encourage you to continue to be a part of that the next six, six months of this year. Also, uh, you know that uh, Chuck Top, uh, their church in Ciudad Azteca, is uh, involved in that they, they've bought a piece of property and they've built the first floor and they've begun to work on the set, se- second floor through some generous gifts. The folks in this church, uh, some money has come in for them to begin to work on their second floor. And I just wanted you to see some most current pi- pictures. Um, this is them begin- beginning on the se- second floor. And the, uh, the, the next slide um, will show you they, they got the walls up. Now, and a very interesting thing, and if you want to go ahead and show, show the next slide, this is just lo- looking back toward the, the uh, street, and then the, and then the last slide is uh, showing the wall up. One of the, in- the interesting things, you see that entrance there in the mi- middle of the pi- picture. One of the important things for getting the walls put up for the se- second floor is that allowed them to uh, put in a new gate and door on the bottom floor and be able to close the first floor off so they could leave their chairs and their equipment there. Uh, and, and, and so they are thank, th- thankful to you who have given in order for them to begin to put the walls up for the set, second floor. And um, also another very important thing is this weekend, t- today's a What's today? The, the 26th? Yeah. Yeah, this weekend they're ha- having a, a missions con- conference. And, and Alejandro and Lise Pantoja have just, just, just arrived there. Uh, they're expect, expecting their third child. And so they had number two in Turkey. They're going to get to have number three in Me- Mexico City. And uh, so they're ho- hosting a missions conference this weekend, which was another important thing because... As you've seen in earlier pictures, they now have the first floor they can use. And this second floor, they just put red tarps over the top, and they're able to have classes up there today and classes for the kids while their missions conference is going on. So anyway, we just wanted you to be aware of that. Also, one other thing, um, if you look on the back page of your bulletin, um, the article that Todd writes each week, there's one 
this week it says, do you know of a good cause? I, I would incur, encourage you to take the time to read this. Uh, the reason I would encourage you to take the time to read, read this is because our church had the opportunity to help out. Um, if you remember Javier and Olga Martinez, he was the, the Mexican missionary who spoke at our, our missions conference here last February. Um, a couple of months ago, uh, I don't know how long it is now, maybe five or six weeks ago, their vehicle was stolen. And uh, they don't have a gate and a wall in front front, front of their house in this little mountain, mountain town. And so somebody stole their 1993 Jeep. Uh, it's a four, four-wheel drive, and they use it to get, get around in those mountains. And um, so anyway, he just sent an, an email out and said, would you pray for us? And so I just sent the email on and said, let's pray for them that they'd be able to get an, another vehicle. And I'll let you read the sto- story uh, you know, sometimes God says, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of that, and he uses certain folks somewhere, and we hear the story. Well, this time we got to be the story. It was just ama- amazing. Uh, we put the need out. Somebody came up to me at a birthday part- party and said, we sold a car. We have a little bit of money. Do you know of a good cause? I said, well, I may know of one. Let me tell you about it. And then somebody else called me on the phone and said, somebody that doesn't go to our church found out about it. They want to give some money toward it. And then Byron walks in my office and says, Oh, I forgot to tell, tell you, somebody gave some money re- recently, and it was de- de- designated, kind of designated, not designated, but do you know of anything we could use it for? I said, I think I may know something. And so in like two weeks' time, the money came, and then I called up HUD, and I said, HUD, we, you know, this is the need. It's got to be four-wheel drive. It has to be at least 10, 10 years old. It has to have four 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 doors, and all these kinds of things. And I go out to his, to his shop one afternoon, and, and he said, look right out there. I said, what's that? He said, maybe that's our, our, our answer. He had just bought the thing, hadn't told anybody about it. It was just out there on the back lot. It was perfect. So anyway, God doesn't always let, let us be the ones he uses, but this time he did. In a very short period, period of time, we had... Nothing one day, and less than two weeks later, there was the money to buy the truck and to pay for the transfer fees, and there was a truck. So anyway, they've been blessed uh, with, with, that, 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 with that truck. If you would, pray for them. They hope this coming week to actually get the truck to Wachochi. The, the truck had to stay in El Paso for a week while they did the, pay, pay, the paperwork that cost $915 just to tra- change just to change the title. Then they drove it to Chihuahua City where it had to sit and wait until they got the license plates. So it's been sitting there for two weeks now waiting for them to get the license plates. They hope this coming week to be able to get it. And when they get it, they're going to take pictures of it with them around it, you know, and that kind of thing, and we'll get to see it in church. So anyway, God is good, and this time he chose to use us, and we're thankful for that privilege but now there's more the details in the story be sure and read the story okay it's a great story um with the time left we had this morning i need to let you know i i don't always wear a tie when i get to do this but i wear a tie a lot a lot of times and i dedicate the tie to somebody uh because i don't wear ties very often um somebody accused me of auditioning for another job somewhere wearing a tie. I said, no, no, I'm not doing that. Um, but t- 
today this tie, I'm wearing this tie in honor and in memory of Dr. Dan, Danny Mason. Uh, he was a, a men, mentor of ours, of bon, 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 Bonnie's and <clears throat> mine when we were very young. He taught, taught us a lot from the word, word of God, and he taught us a lot about pra- practical living. Uh, I know there are a lot of folks, including Bet- Betty, who wishes Dan- Danny-, Danny was still here with us, but because of all the suffering he went through, we're really glad he's at home with the Lord. But the reason I'm wearing this tie, this tie, this tie, is because I bought this tie in 1994, and it still looks pretty good. And one of the pra- practical things that Brother Danny taught Bonnie and I was, he said, live by this pr- principle and you'll be okay. So what's that, Brother Danny? He said, use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. So I'm using it up. I'm still using it up. Um, this mor- m- morning, I would like for us to uh, look in God's Word um, before we do, let's just thank, thank him again for this wonderful day. Father, you have blessed us in so many ways. Lord, as I look around this room and see all the people that are called by your name, that uh, I have the opportunity to serve you with and to live with in this community of believers, Father, it's just an overwhelming thing to see the people who love you and who worship you and who honor your name with their lives. Father, we are so thankful that you made the plan that we could understand you and know you to have your word to read and to meditate on and to be taught by. Father, to have your spirit that teaches us and comforts us when we need comfort, gives us peace when we need peace, energizes us to do the work that you've called us to, and we're thankful for that, Lord. And Father, we are thankful that you have called us to be your ambassadors here and in other parts of our country and other parts of the world. Father, that you've given us the opportunity to get in on the plan that you set in motion a long, long time ago. Father, as we think about the time that we live in, Lord, we know that we don't understand everything. Father, it's hard to understand how we could live forever. And Father, how we could see you forever and really see you, Lord, to be there face to face. But we look forward to that day. And Lord, also... I just ask now that you would open up our hearts uh, to hear your message. And, Father, that uh, from the things we see this morning, our desire is that you would be glorified through our lives. And, Lord, that you would show us how to be the people that you've called us to be. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm trying to figure out what to call this. And uh, so I think I'll call this sermon, Do You See the Lord? And what I'd like for us to do this morning is uh, look at three men in the Scriptures and um, see some things that God used them for and how He furthered His plan 
for mankind and his plan for eternity and to look at what it means to have faith, to see what faith is. If we were to look at Hebrews chapter 11, which is probably a good thing, we would find out in the first two verses it describes faith to us. The writer of Hebrews says, Now faith is the assurance, or maybe your version says the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. Let's keep that in mind as we look look at these scriptures. I, I would like for us to, and to look at the faith of these men and as we look at how God used them, how he increased their faith and how this could speak to us. We're going to begin in, in Exodus chapter 3 this morning. I want to begin with Moses. We're going to look at Moses, we're going to look at Job, and we're going to look at Isaiah. And we're going to do it in 22 minutes, more or less. Um, Moses, Exodus chapter 3. When God got Moses' attention and um, with this burning bush, and Moses saw it and he went to take, take a look at it, he begins the dialogue with, with God. Now, he can't see God, but he hears God in the bush, and he sees the bush burning. And there are some things that as they talk that Moses has to say. First thing, he has a, que- a question. If you look at verse 10, it says, Therefore, come now, this is God speaking, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, this, this is no small task that he's just now told Moses that he's going to have him do. They've been there for 430 years almost, and they had been li- living in the land. They were prospering in the land. Then a, fa- a king came into power who didn't know, jo- jo- no, he didn't know, know, know Joseph. And he really didn't know these people living in his land, and so he put them under bondage. So God says to, to, Mo, to Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Now keep in mind that God says, I'm going to use you to bring my people, Israel, out of Egypt. God doesn't say, I've got this idea. If everything works good, then we're going to get them out of there. And I'm going to use you if you don't give up or you don't die or they don't kill you. Not, not what he says. So that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Then Mo, Mo, Moses asked a logical question. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And Moses worshipped God. At this point in his life, Moses worshipped God. We'll go to Hebrews in just a minute and we'll see that he was considered a man of faith because he worshipped God. But he asked this question, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And God said to Moses, certainly I will be with you and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. Isn't that interesting? He says, I will be with you, and this is the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And guess what the sign is? The sign is the outcome. The sign isn't something along the way to let him know God's there. God says the sign is the outcome. I've already planned it. 
It's going to happen. I'm going to use you. Now let's think, think about ourselves just for a minute. We say, you know, God can never use me in a way like he used Moses. I mean, that's Moses. He's in the hall of fame of faith, right? In Hebrews chapter 11, he would never use... Well, yes, he would, because guess what? He chose you before the foundation of the world. Right? Before the foundation of the world, he is, and your name was in the book, book of life. So if he could use Moses, he could use me, he could use you, and what difference does it make what it is? It just happens to be that he was going to use Moses to bring his two million people out of this land who were being held captive at, at that time. But look, he, the, the outcome, look, look at the outcome. And the outcome is the sign. What, is, what else does that tell you? If the outcome is the sign, then what does that mean? It's going to happen. He, he's going to do it, right? He's faith, faithful. But we're here today to talk about our faith, faithfulness. But we have to talk about his faithfulness in order to talk about our faith, faithfulness. Let's read again, verse 12. Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. Here's the sign. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. That's the sign. You get it? You get it? We got it. I learned that from Bruce, right? You get it? We got it, right? Here's the sign. That whenever, whenever you have brought the people out of Egypt, you'll still be involved in this, Moses. You're the one that's going to bring them. You shall worship God at this mountain. An incredible statement. Not only were they going to be rescued from oppression and bondage, but they were going to be rescued to do what? Worship God. Amazing. Amazing. Moses isn't too, too sure. In verse 13, he says, well, you know, you're, you tell me the God of your fathers has sent me to you, but what, are they, but what if they say, what, what, what is his name? Then you go over to chapter 4, verse 1. God just explains to him that I know that the, the, the Pharaoh's not going to want to let, let you go, but here's what's going to happen. Not only is he going to let you go, but people are going to want to give you things in order for you to go. And he's, tell, he's telling Moses this, and guess what Moses does? He does what Mark would do. Verse 1 of chapter 4, then Moses said, what if? What if they don't believe me? Or what if they don't listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And so God goes on. He keeps explaining. Then Noah says in verse 10, but I'm not a very good talker. How in the world can I go talk to him? How can I talk to Pharaoh? How can I talk to the children of Israel? Because I'm not a very good talker. God says, don't, don't worry. I'm the one that made man's mouth. I'll give you what to say. And then Moses does, he says, Lord, just please send the message by somebody. And God got upset at him. He got upset, upset, upset at him. Moses isn't sure, and God becomes angry with, with him. But, but, he, but he obeys. And in Hebrews chap, chapter 11, verse 20, 23, we find out what faith is. And we see it dis, dis, displayed. Let's go back there right quick. Hebrews chap, chapter 11. God's a little bit upset set with him. He says, okay, Aaron will be the one who speaks for, for you. But he had already put the plan, plan, plan in place. And look what 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 says, By faith, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. They had faith. They, they, were, they worshiped God. He was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of the Messiah greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Look at this. By faith, he left Egypt. He wasn't quite sure. He kept asking God questions, and then he said, Okay, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. And here's, here's our key. For he endured as seeing him who what? Who is unseen. He endured as seeing him who is unseen. Then it goes on and talks about his faith. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. And by faith they passed through the Red Sea. See what he had to have faith in? God said, I'm going to, when Pharaoh said we're going to kill all the babies, then God says, Moses says, well, by what you said is what's going to happen, but it's going to happen to yours. And then Moses, by faith, had the people kill the lambs. They put the blood over the door doorpost. Now, how do you know for sure it's going to work? Has he gotten them out of Egypt yet? No. There, there could be doubt there, right? But it says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, he did it. By faith, he had the people put the blood over the door doorpost. And what ha- happened because of his faith? All of Israel was spared. And then you get to this sea, and there's, you're trapped, and there's no place to go. Is that a big deal to get people across, two million people across this sea? That is a big thing. Can you ima- imagine that take, taking place? I cannot imagine that take, taking place. Now, my mind's eye, I stop and I think about it. I close my eyes and I try to meditate on it, and I think, man, how do you do that? You're jammed up against this, this lake or this ocean, and... Here comes Pharaoh's army. They're coming. And what happens? Well, God speaks. Moses obeys, and the thing parts, and they go, go through. Now, that has become a childhood story, a story I heard in Sunday school since I was a little, little bitty boy, and we sing songs about it, but look at how incredible it is. It ends up in this list of the things that, that it took faith, by faith. They pass through. By faith, they, they pass through. But, but look at his faith. For he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Is there some tie we have here to endurance and faith and seeing God? I, I, I think there's a tie for us to look, to, to look at. I, I think that we see here the evidence of true faith was that he endured. He trusted God and he endured. The more, he, the more he endured, the more God revealed his trustworthiness to the point that it says that he endured as seeing him who is unseen. If you could see God right now, if he walked in the door or just appeared right here on the stage, would you believe in him more than you believed before? If he said, 
if he, if he appeared and he said, Bruce, I want you to go do this, this, and this, would you go do it? Is there any doubt you wouldn't do it? There is no doubt. Because remember, God, 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 God says, you believe. Remember when Jesus showed, showed up after his, his resurrection? He says, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe who have not seen, but yet they still believe. Right? So, so what do we have here? We have a di- display of faith. And let's catch this because this is important for us. We have a display of Mo, Moses' faith, and it says, as seeing him who is unseen. It wouldn't take any faith at all if God appeared and began to speak to us and we knew it was him and we would do what he said. He showed us that it was him. It would take no faith to do what he said because he's here. It takes faith to do what he says when we can't see him. But can our faith become a faith such as if we were seeing him? Yeah, I think that's what he says. He, he, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. It would not be so difficult to endure anything if Jesus was right here doing it with us in the flesh. But to have faith that he says, Obey me, be my ambassador, do these things in my name, and I will go prepare a place for you. I will reward you. I will come back and get get you. As we go through the difficulties of life and the challenges that he gives us to, to endure... And the work that he gives us to do, and sometimes it is an endurance thing. As our faith increases, as we trust him more, he becomes more trustworthy to give us more. And as we become more faithful and more faithful, we have faith in him as if he was here. As seeing him who is unseen. Well, we're going to have time for one more of these guys, and that's all. So let's go look, look at Job, if we could. If you would, go with me to Job chapter 1. Over in the white pages. Job chapter 1. Let's look at a few verses in chapter 1. Then we're going to skip over to the back of the book. Okay. Verse 1, if you'll skip with, with me through these four, four or five verses, I want to describe to you who this man is. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Now let's go down to the second part of verse 3. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the east. Now let's go down to verse 5. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, this was Job's children having feasts, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned, and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Who, who did he worship? Who did he look to? Okay, let's go down to verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, 
a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Does Job reverence God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Now, you get the picture of who Job is. Job is a man who's upright. He's blameless. He worships God. He's the only man of his kind, it says. Then God even recognizes that before Satan. And Satan asks him a question. Does he reference you only because he has all this stuff? Is that the reason he he does that? Does he worship you because you put a hedge around him? Let's just see. Let's go back to the back, back of the book. Chapter 38. Chapter 38. Verses 1 through 3. One of the three friends that just wore Job out. This one is Elihu. When he's done with his long dissertation, here's what God has to say about that. Verse 1 of 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? That kind of lets you know what God thought about the long dissertation before, right? Who is this that darkens counsel by words without, without knowledge? Now he speaks to Job. Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. And then he spends two, three, four whole chapters describing himself to help Job understand all these things your friends have said. Well, chapter 42, he tells Eliphaz, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends because you have not spoken to me what is right. So they get through with all this, and, and God comes to Job and says, and he come, comes to him in this whirl, whirlwind and speaks to him and says, Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Then he spends several cha- cha- chapters. Of course, that's, you know, he doesn't really mean that because Job can't instruct him. These people have just gotten through telling Job all about God, and God says they're wrong about me. Now I'm going to tell you about me. Okay? Now, he's telling a man that he's already described as blameless, upright, fearing God. Okay? Let's go over to, verse, to chapter 42. Here's what Job has to say. Actually, in chapter 40, Job has one state statement he makes in the middle of God's four-chapter cha- thing that he has to say about himself. Job makes one quick state statement. We're not going to look at it. For chapter 42, here, here's the climax of it all. Listen to this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And then he actually quotes God two, two times. Here's one of them. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? That he had made that statement. God had made that statement about Elihu. Now, now Job in, in turn, in turn, internalizes this. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? 
Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear this confession? Do you hear Job's confession? See what he's been through? You see what he's been, been through? Do you remember what he's been through? He has these sons, daughters, a big house, huge holdings, flocks, land, the whole thing, and he has his health. He loses it all. A long period of time goes by. There's these three people that are trying to tell him what's wrong with him and what's right about God, and they get it wrong. But he's being worn out by these guys. His wife wears him out. Why don't you just curse God and die? The boils are horrible. You can't live through, through, through this. Here's what he says. Verse 3. He understands what God said back in chapter 38. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. This is what God had said, said to him, but he puts it into his talk to God. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. Here's a man who was declared to be right, righteous, who was upright before, and he finally he comes to understand. Now, folks, look at this pic, pic, picture. Look at all he went through. He was an upright man before he went through all this. What could he possibly need need to learn? Somebody who God declares as being upright, fearing God, turning away, away from evil. What did he need to know? Well, he learned something. Look here. Verse 5. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Had he heard of God? He had heard of God. He worshipped God. He sacrificed to God on behalf of his children. He was an upright man. But I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now, what? My eye sees you. Something's happened. Something's happened in his heart. He has come to know God. He was blameless. He was upright. He was fearing God. But there was a place that he needed to go to know God more than he knew God. He worshipped God, but he didn't know him the way God wanted him to know him. So he goes through this stuff. Now Satan thinks that he's going to wear, wear him down, right? But God used this for his good because, look, he says, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear. I'd heard of you all my life. I worshipped you, but now, now my eye sees you. Is that incredible? Do you see the direct connect, connection again like we did with Mo, Moses? As we go through things that we have to endure, as our faith incre- increases, our spiritual eyes open more and more to the point that we're able to see him. If he was here standing in front of us, we wouldn't need to talk about this, right? But he's not. By faith, we accept that he's who he is. By faith, Job declared, I heard of you all my life, but now my spiritual eye has seen you. He brought him through. He brought him to the point. Now, had he restored him yet? No. No, all the stuff had not been restored yet, but what had been restored? What had been strengthened? His faith, his understanding of God. 
His faith was renewed. It was, strength, it was strength, strength, strengthened. And then you know how his for, fortune was restored to him? How his family was restored, restored, re, re, restored to him? Look at verse 10 in chapter 4, 42. This is how it was restored to him. What? When he did what? When he prayed for those three guys who had given him wrong information about God and who were wearing him out. What happened to, to his heart? Now, before he was an upright man, and he had these three guys who he knew, and they sounded pretty religious too. But when he humbled himself to the point that he prayed for them, God said, okay, the lesson is complete. Now watch this. Okay. We'll save Isaiah for another time. If you let me go five minutes over. There are these men in count, count, count of the li- living God. God initiated this whole thing. And he did this whole thing for Moses. He did this whole thing for Job. So they would see him with their spirit, spiritual eyes. The scripture says, By faith Moses endured as seeing him who is unseen. Job says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see, see you. And, and you know what? Don't miss this about Job. Guess who lost? Satan. Satan lost. Is that encouraging to you? Is that encouraging to me? Let's don't forget that Satan did this. He says, hey, let me have him and he'll curse you. Satan lost. Satan lost. In the end, he declared, my eye has now see, see, sees you. Satan lost. By faith, we're able to see God with our spirit, spiritual eyes. And let, let me just fin- finish up with this. We cannot see the Lord as we see each other, though we will someday. First John chap- chapter 3 says that even though we can't see Him in the physical realm, we're now the children of God, and it hasn't appeared yet what we're going to be, but we know that when He, when he appears, we're going to be like Him because we're going to see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as Jesus himself is pure. Remember what faith faith is? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We can't see him as we see each other, but by faith and obedience to his word, our spiritual eyes can see him. Do you you ever close your eyes and just imagine seeing God in his throne room? I do. I stare at the wall sometimes. Sometimes I close my eyes, and I have this picture now, he's never come to me in a vi- vision. I've never seen his face. You know, I've never seen anything like that. But sometimes I just try to wonder. I read in Revelation. Don't you love that Revelation song we sang, sang today? Pure Scripture. Cha- chapter 4. About three or four verses out of cha- chapter 4 and a couple out of cha- ch- chapter 5. I love that song that we sang today. Because that's the pi- picture. And I try to see that in my, my, my mind. I hope that you you do too. But until that time, I look to see him in my mind's eye. But in my heart's eye, I see him through faith. Will it be wonderful? Yes. No more pain and suffering. No more sin. No more Satan trying to lead us astray. Only a forever life, which is what we can't comprehend. But that's where we're headed. Only a forever life with our God and Savior. Perfect in all the ways that we, we can imagine. And it's going to be perfect in all the ways we have no clue of. Worshiping Him who gave His life for us that we might live forever and ever and ever.
No longer just seeing him through spiritual eyes, though, though we appreciate that and we learn to appreciate the trials and we learn to appreciate the things that God brings us through in order to build up our endurance so our faith is increased. And as our faith is increased, we see him more and more. Well, okay, I know you're saying, Mark, this is Missions Emphasis Day. Aren't you supposed to be preaching a sermon about how we all should be missionaries where we live? Or that some of us should give up everything we have and go to the uttermost part of the world to be missionaries. Well, not, not today. Not today. All I want to do is ask you this. As you imagine how wonderful heaven will be, and as you remember how blessed you are to know that God has saved you from hell and called you as His child, and how comforting it is to have His Spirit living in you, guiding you and teaching you to know Him more, and giving you power to resist the evil one every day. Who do you not want to know? Who do you not want to know of Christ's love for the world, of his sacrificial death, of his resurrection that gives us eternal life in the place where he is? Who do you not want to know of the peace that passes all understanding in this world where peace is so hard to find? Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. We are his ambassadors. Now go make disciples. Father, we're blessed beyond measure to be called your children. Father, we see in your word this morning that we are blessed when you take us through trials. Father, when your spirit is close to us and gives us strength to make it through. Father, we are blessed when you put us in situations where we are caused to endure the things that you put us through. Father, for the sake of your name. And Father, we are blessed because as we go along, our faith is increased. And Lord, we are blessed that you open up our spiritual eyes to see you as you did these men we've looked at. Father, we are blessed that you have given to us the ministry of reconciliation and you have given us the message of salvation to take to our world. Father, we are blessed to be convicted by your Spirit of those around us who have not heard the good news of salvation the good news of life forever with you, the good news of being called your children. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would daily, daily cause us to understand who we are and whose we are for your glory and for the building of your kingdom. In your son's name we pray. Amen.